You're listening to Business Extra, a podcast by The National in Abu Dhabi. I'm your host, Cody Combs, speaking to you from the COP28 Summit in Dubai. Simply put, seawater and farms don't mix. The salt is a death sentence to the soil, and it just doesn't work. Or so we thought. A UAE startup is turning that idea on its head. Manhat, an Emirati-founded startup launched in 2019, is using proprietary natural water distillation technology to speed up and capture the evaporation of ocean water on the surface. Founder Dr. Saeed Al-Hassan wants to harness his invention to build floating farms, using the fresh water collected to irrigate and grow crops right at the source. But before we start, if you want to get all the latest episodes of Business Extra, please follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I'm joined now by Manhat founder and CEO, Dr. Saeed Al-Hassan. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. First and foremost, can you tell us the story about the founding of Manhat? Where did the idea come from, the story behind the name? Uh, okay, so the uh, short version is that uh, I was inspired by uh, a documentary on National Geographic about people's survival, uh, lack of water. And the one that caught my eyes was water collection from fog in Chile where they spread sheets to collect the water from the uh, fog itself. Uh, in any case, my train of thought led me toward this current technology where all sorts of water is always the evaporation. Um, so that's where I developed the technology based on that premise. Now, Manhattan itself, when I wanted to uh, launch the startup, I wanted to you know, come up with a name that uh, allowed me to, or allowed the startup to reflect what we're trying to do. Uh, so the word Manhattan, it's called, in Arabic, it means the uh, apex of a human brain, uh, you know, uh, or intellect. Uh, but I came uh, about using this name or selecting this name by basically looking at the anagrams of the four elements in the Greek uh, uh, classical understanding of, uh, of the world, which basically um, uh, water, fire, air and earth so in arabic each first letter for these uh, words are ma nar hawa ard so that's why the word manha and then i use uh, uh, a dictionary to show that uh, if you add another uh, t or tab in arabic it give you the word manha but now we are preferred to use the word manhat to pronounce the t instead of making the t silent point well taken <laughs> Is this a game changer for agriculture potentially? We believe uh, that if we optimize our cost, where at the beginning it's competitive with the current reverse osmosis desalination, then we are really uh, providing a solution that can serve uh, many different farmers across the globe. Because one of the challenge in farming is that uh, even the classical areas where you have a lot of water farming activities, they depend on underground water, and underground water is being depleted at an alarming rate where they will not have access to uh, fresh water anymore. So if we come up with a way to produce water really independent of the type of source water itself. So our technology works with seawater, it works with brackish water, it works with high saline water, uh, it works with sewage. So the idea is if we deploy it and the cost is really competitive, at least now with the reverse osmosis, then we can provide this as a solution for farmers to enhance their uh, farming you know, uh, activities and not worry about uh, water. Obviously, our goal is to make it 
even cheaper that will allow you to use this water for uh, activities beyond your limits especially if you want to grow uh, or to establish let's say forests that's only dedicated for greening the areas or uh, to block you know desertification uh, then when you have water that is so cheap you're not worried about the cost of water uh, you can use it for uh, other activities beyond uh, farming and irrigation how do some of Manhat's products work in terms of removing salt from the seawater? So uh, technically, we, we don't remove salt from the seawater. Uh, actually, if you look at our technology, the idea behind it is inspired by the natural water cycle. Uh, if you examine the natural water cycle, you notice that evaporation happens when solar radiation uh, impacts or comes through the uh, open water surfaces. Uh, we're talking about uh, oceans, uh, gulfs, rivers. Any open water surface will always lose water through evaporation. Now, evaporation is the constant. Uh, what we get from the natural water cycle is the rain, which is infrequent, especially in this region where we get maybe 10 days of rain per year. But evaporation happening every day. Uh, and uh, the way our technology works is that we place our devices on open water surface. So instead of allowing the vapor to go up to the atmosphere, we trap it inside the device so that when the temperature goes down at night, the water will condense. Uh, and then that water can be collected in a reservoir and can be produced as pure salt-free water. Uh, that's why we don't deal with the salt in the ocean per se, uh, because there's no salt in the water vapor that goes into the atmosphere. What are some of the problems faced from the usual methods of doing this? This is the problem that essentially has been trying to be solved for thousands of years. Yeah. What are some of the problems by people who do this with the usual method? Is it labor intensive? Is it energy intensive? Uh, so um, the evolution of uh, water, let's say, purifications overall uh, throughout human uh, you know, evolution we see that uh, it depends where you are. For example, back in the day, uh, activated carbon or charcoal is used to purify water uh, by simple filtration process. Uh, but now, uh, the dominating process to produce water at a scale in an inexpensive way is through reverse osmosis desalination. Now, reverse osmosis desalination uh, will work perfectly if you have uh, electricity because it's the most water you can produce for the electricity that you generate. But it comes with two issues. The uh, CO2 emission, because when you produce electricity, uh, right now the mix is still 80% uh, fossil fuel-based uh, energy generation. So by extension, you are emitting CO2 while you're producing the water. The second challenge is inherent to reverse osmosis. While it's the most energy efficient, uh, what you end up doing is uh, you collect water from the ocean. Let's say you collect three liters of water from the ocean. And what you do, you move some of the salts from one part to the other. And you ended up with really uh, the following ratio. One liter will be pure water that can be used. It still have some salt, but it can be drinkable. The other two liters have more salt because you took the salt from the uh, fresh compartment to the other one. So this uh, two liters of water uh, is called brine. And currently the practice is that the brine is discharged back to the ocean or the Gulf 
or the water source where you uh, uh, took it from. With that, it has the following problems. The brine itself collects a lot of contaminants from the water processing because the water goes through a journey. It is in contact with many equipment. Uh, so you have a lot of uh, uh, metal that are dissolving in the brine. You have a lot of uh, organic matters that are carcinogenic and toxic. And all of them are uh, put with the concentrated salt brine and goes back to the ocean, and it has a long-term effect on the aquatic life. So that's these are the two challenges with the current desalination. Um, so for us, we wanted to provide an alternative where uh, we ask ourselves really the philosophical questions. Can we produce water without electricity uh, just uh, to give ourselves a chance in producing water, the most precious element, without needing uh, the electricity itself, because that's how we always survived and flourished as uh, as human. I mean, all the civilizations uh, actually flourish in uh, water, uh, close to water sources. So that's what we are trying to do. Uh, and honestly, our technology, if you think about it, is has been tried and people have used it, but it's always at a small scale. And... Nobody thought about making this technology as cheap as possible. It's always uh, a novelty that people try to do it. Uh, it's even been featured in some movies like Life of Pi. If you recall, he used like a cone-looking uh, uh, plastic piece and put seawater inside and he produced water out of it. But, but that piece itself is really expensive. If you go to the market now, this is small plastic bag is like 500 dirham. So it's not practical and it's only for survival uh, applications. So we wanted to make it um, uh, in a way that produce water as cheap as possible by producing and manufacturing the right combination of optimized configuration of the technology. Does this mean more food production and eventually food more readily available? Yes. So the idea is um, it, it's it's multiple levels. So the first thing is we need to make sure that we produce enough water that will satisfy human needs plus uh, plants and animals. Uh, because one thing we should always focus on is that we are not alone in this planet. Uh, and if you provide water for animals and plants, then you open the doors for uh, possibilities beyond imagination. Um, because be uh, the human activity has already led to you know, uh, a loss of biodiversity. Uh, and you bring them back uh, mainly through water. If you provide water, life will flourish. So uh, with that in mind, uh, the uh, idea that uh, our technology can contribute in um, expanding the uh, or providing solutions for animals and plants, uh, especially the one that we have impacted uh, directly, uh, because animals right now, a lot of them in different areas, depends on us purifying the water because most of the water resources have been contaminated with one chemicals or the other. You're talking about the forever chemical, you're talking about some, uh, the dyes that are coming out from, you know, uh, clothing industries. If you look at all sources of water, there's something contaminated in the water always. Uh, now, our technology can purify the water back to its pure state, so anyone can use it for whatever application they are interested in. So what would this mean in terms of food security for the United Arab Emirates and the region? 
Uh, so uh, for us, this will be, uh, especially in UAE, we have an arid uh, land. Uh, we don't have a lot of arable land. Um, so providing water is the f- starting point for food security. Uh, the next level is obviously making sure that when you grow any crops, you can grow them uh, in a sustainable fashion. Uh, some crops we cannot grow just because of the harsh environment, uh, but some can actually be grown easily, uh, including the uh, millet, for example. I believe even rice can be grown here, but it's water intensive. That's why people don't try to grow uh, rice. Uh, you can grow wheat. There are already some examples of uh, areas where in UAE. Uh, where wheat uh, was successfully grown and cultivated. So, yes, it will open the door for us to grow the um, stable crops. We're not talking about the green leaves because those are more or less have been optimized to grow in many different conditions and the market is already well satisfied. But the stable crops, the wheats, the rice, millets, um, corn, they need more water. And I think the, the area... Uh, is suitable for that, especially for us, more heat, more uh, solar uh, radiation makes our technology works better to allow us to grow more crops that are usually, uh, we, we are not able to grow them because of the availability of fresh water. What would it mean for the region in general? Is this method you're using widely used in other countries throughout the Middle East or is this unique? Not yet. It, uh, so because we are uh, uh, deep tech startups, we're trying to bring this product to the masses. Uh, I mentioned early on the example of uh, survival kit, where it's already sold uh, for 500 dirham almost uh, per unit. That's not practical, and it's only used if a ship sank in the middle of the ocean. Uh, but for us, we would like to bring this technology to the masses by manufacturing the units and making sure that they are produced with the lowest cost possible. So currently there's no, um, let's say, uh, similar products per se. Uh, There are some uh, startups uh, I know about in the US. Uh, They're also adapting similar uh, approach. Uh, But while the science is already established per se, the market and the economics of bringing the product to the market I believe is lacking, and we would like to be among the first people to basically bring this technology uh, to the market uh, as soon as we can. When we first heard about this technology a few years ago, we did a video with you, and that video regionally went viral. Uh, got a lot of shares on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, a lot of comments. Why do you think it resonated with so many people? Um, I think historically, if you look at this region, uh, the population did not exceed more than probably half a million across the entire peninsula, except Yemen and Oman, for example. And uh, we, the, the water challenge is inherently woven in our imagination and in our daily lives. I can still remember, uh, you know, when uh, family members go and basically uh, take water from wells back in the uh, 70s and 80s, uh, because at the time still uh, running water was not uh, as uh, readily available as now. So people know about water uh, in this region more than any other region in the world because uh, it was the starting point for uh, uh, for the economy to flourish the way it flourishes right now. If you don't have water, then you don't have people and then you cannot actually sustain an economy. So that's why the response was uh, 
highly positive and encouraging for to us because people understand the problem of water scarcity in this region. Where do things stand right now with the company, for lack of a better word, financially? Uh, yeah. what do you, are you fundraising-wise? How are things going? Uh, so um, when we uh, started, we have different uh, business model completely than w- what we are trying to do right now. And it's an evolution. You pivot left and right depending on many different factors. Um, in the past year alone, we were able to raise almost close to $100,000 uh, through grants uh, from programs like um, Expo Live program and uh, Ma'an uh, in Abu Dhabi. Um, and uh, the status of our company right now is we are focusing, we, we, we come up with almost a final product that we would like to launch in the market uh, and a manufacturing path to scale this product as much as we can. Because if you cannot make it uh, at scale, it will not work. So we, we resolve these issues uh, in terms of um, um, the path we are going to, to select. And the next step for us is to launch a pilot uh, based on the manufactured unit that we manufacture uh, in-house so we can test the viability of growing uh, key crops. Uh, let's say alfalfa, for example, and millets are two promising crops that we would like to try uh, in the next year. And um, in terms of financial, uh, let's say, situation, uh, we are at the seed stage as a startup. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully in the next you know, a few months, we can land our first uh, direct investments um, to allow us to launch the pilot as quickly as we can. There are also other options to allow us to launch the pilot without the uh, direct investment. And what are you hoping to get out of COP28? I know you're opening up a stand relatively soon to showcase some of your technology. Well, so for us, COP28 represents an opportunity to showcase what we can offer. Um, And it's a, a good meeting point where you have the business people and technical people and uh, the policymakers to look at the things we are trying to, to do here. I mean, the, the challenge with um, with water problem is that it's local. Each country has different issues. Some countries have too much water. Some have no water. In countries, some areas have too much water and other areas don't have any water. Um, but uh, the opportunity to uh, meet and network with uh, uh, potential investors or uh, technology provider or uh, NGO-driven organization allow us the possibility to, you know, to bring our product to the market. Because without this part, you know, all of our work will not be uh, useful to anyone and we will lose the momentum. But I think we are more hopeful at the moment than ever because we have resolved the manufacturing elements of our technology, the scalability elements, and it's just a matter of uh, uh, a few more investments or grants that will allow us to go forward. And with COP28, that opened the door for us already, and we believe we can you know, get something out of it. I don't want to get too far ahead because in business as in life, you have to crawl before you can walk, but we do notice in some of your marketing materials, you showcase this floating farm. Yes. That also gets a lot of discussion. Can you talk a little bit about your vision for that? Yeah, so uh, actually this has started uh, way back when we uh, applied for the patents. Uh, we have three patents. One of them was already uh, have the elements or integrated elements of the technology for the floating farm. And um, 
the concept is uh, uh, for us is focus on making the floating farm as efficient and as cheap as possible. Uh, so when we launched that concept, uh, uh, it's basically a way to showcasing the technology of how it works. And and the reason for a floating farm uh, is uh, are, are multiple reasons. The first one is uh, it's like um, a defense mechanism against you know rise of uh, sea level. Uh, let's say you have uh, a lot of farming inland uh, for whatever reason you cannot provide water, uh, while a floating farm will always produce water because you have access to the ocean and you can uh, grow crops um, uh, in an efficient way. The second thing is which is an, a concept that can even extend beyond uh, what we are trying to do, is if you grow something in the ocean, uh, the beautiful thing about the ocean uh, is that its temperature is always moderate. Uh, it will not uh, reach uh, the same uh, uh, level of uh, temperatures like an inland uh, you know, uh, areas. Uh, so if you have a, um, a farm inland, uh, its temperature in the summer will be extremely high. So we have record temperature in different uh, areas in the region that can reach to 50 degrees Celsius. The ocean does not reach that level. Uh, most of the ocean temperature will moderate between 25, 30, 32, which is fantastic for farming. Uh, if you think about it, a lot of crops will benefit from a stable temperature across the year. Yes, there will be some variations between uh, summer and winter, but it's not to a level where it's going to be extremely cold or extremely uh, hot. So that's another way why we think the uh, floating farm concept will work beautifully to grow any crops anywhere, even in arid regions where the temperature inland is scorching hot. In the water, uh, it's going to always be moderate. Dr. Saeed Al-Hassan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me and uh, hopefully we can continue our journey. That's a wrap for this episode of Business Extra recorded at COP28 in Dubai. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to follow to get all of our updates as soon as they come out. This episode was produced by Doa Farid, Phil Green, and Arthur Edison. I'm Cody Combs reporting from COP28. COP28.